Hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about committing to you from day one. Body Armor's got you and here to help you commit to your fitness goals. Buy any Body Armor products at your local store and Body Armor will give you 50% cash back to put towards your fitness journey. Now through March 31st, commit to fit with Body Armor Sports Drink. Visit www.bacommittofit.com for full rules. And shop now at retailers nationwide. Well, what's the difference between biodynamic wine and organic wine? And what does it even mean? What's biodynamic? So we all know that factory farming and uh, big ag has some bad effects to our land, and it's not good for our bodies. Uh, But what about what we drink? Does that make a difference to the environment? Does our wine hurt the land? Think about it. I don't want to (laughs) know. I know, I know, I know. But to give us a scoop on all of this, we have... uh, Hillary Larson back on the show. She's going to talk about sustainable viticulture, and uh, she's a food, wine, travel writer, and, you know, you see her uh, articles in Big Blend magazine all the time, and, uh, of course, she's on Big Blend radio all the time, too. She's a sommelier. See, I can say that now. And she's a wine educator. I know, I did Swedish and French all in one day. And English. That's the worst. Uh, But anyway, she's a wine educator and co-owner of Northwinds Wine Consulting, and Hillary's joining us uh, on today's Big Blend radio show to talk about these biodynamic wines, apparently we're going to get down and dirty with wine. And apparently there's also some food involved. <laughs> so if you want to keep up with Hillary and her sheep, go to northwindswinesconsulting.com. Welcome, Hillary. How are you? Oh, good afternoon. My goodness, how do I follow that? I don't know. You need to do a moo or something, because apparently, what, there's cows involved, there's sheep, There's cows, sheep, horses, chickens, yeah, all kinds Hmm. of uh, wonderful animals and plants, and, you know, it's it's, uh, holistic agriculture. Oh, I like that. Ooh, I, I like that. that a lot. Well, isn't it the same thing as we really want to buy local and seasonal and from the local farmer, but we don't want the farmer to be like, here's my 10,000 acres of Monsanto crops. This is like a different Ex- kind of thing. Exactly. Right? You know, more and more people want to know what's on their plate, and that also transfers to what's in your glass. You mm-hmm. know, and um, hey, it's it's important, and I I know you guys are really involved in – in uh, cleaning up the earth and the slow food movement and all those mm-hmm. things. And so a lot of this, you know, like biodynamic wine, for example, goes back to the 1920s, but it's really, really relevant wow. today for people who are concerned about pesticides and herbicides and, mm-hmm. you know, where does it come from and where is it being, you know. And, and it's a, a political statement, too, when you think about it. Yeah, because when we have our champagne Sundays, I look at the bubbles and go, what's in those bubbles? What's in my glass? There's bubbles, but what, what, what really created those bubbles? You know, because it is a big deal. I know that um, even with beer, I, you know, I was looking at, at, we were watching this beer show. It was uh-huh. on Aura TV or something. It was, you know, and this guy was take, going around to craft beer, beer breweries. Blah, I can get the word right. And um, I was horrified to find that some of our craft breweries we're using products that were totally 
not cool. Let's go back to the Monsanto's and things like that. There were there were some of their grains and stuff were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Now I have to like boycott you. And you're right, it is a political statement because, yeah. you know, some we're interesting. We were talking about petitions and education, but at the end of the day, it's about the actions we take as individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever we can do and create communities, whether it's our, our local neighborhood or getting people together like, hello, no, we don't want to have bad beer. You know, it was tasting good, but now that I know that there's stuff in there that, you know, could give me cancer, I don't want it. And That's I don't, right. you know. And, it is, and like you say, it's part of its education because if mm-hmm. you don't know, and some people, let's face it, aren't terribly concerned about it. They just right. want to go and, and, you know, and I'm thinking about wine, naturally. Uh, they just want to go to the shop, pick up a bottle at a reasonable price, and mm-hmm. go home and say, oh, that tastes good, and off to the races they go. And that's perfectly well and good if that's the way you want to do it. It's kind of, to me, like yeah. the fast food version. You know, mm-hmm. If it doesn't bother you, then I guess then you're fine with that. But other people do want to know how that grape was grown and how the wine was made and it is a big factor in whether they will purchase that product or not like any other commodity that we buy and and it's about i think also has to do with pricing of of things you know it's pricing and you know then we do be like you're saying that fast food thing but eventually you know if you go to a fast food place God, I can't even remember the last time we went. No, I can't even. But I remember the one time on the road we did it, and we're like, we could have had a meal in a decent restaurant for the price. It's not that cheap. You know what? That's right. It isn't always mean it's going to be expensive. We went to a McDonald's, and we got a chocolate milkshake, and we both got asthma from it. Remember? Mm -hmm. Now, you do get asthma from things like that, but I don't. And we both. Remember? We both, neither one of us could breathe. Yeah. And we're like, what, wow. what did we just do? Yeah, and we're like... But I did find I think, out that there's something in there, that, yeah. and we're both allergic to weird shellfishy things and whatever. And right. I have to actually watch wine, to be yeah. honest. Some mm-hmm. some wines, there's something... And then I remember you talking Tiger about Chateau... Chateau... Chateau Neuf du Pop. Oh, you've got... Oh, Chateau Neuf du Pop, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, it that? Was, it, was it there or Bandol where you're talking about there's like ancient sea creatures in the soil? Oh, <laughs> well, that's in various... In anywhere where there is limestone because limestone yeah. okay. is, was, is created from the, the uh, exoskeletons, the ex- oh, outside yeah. crustaceans, you know, have exoskeletons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I wonder if that's it's part their of it. fossilized yeah. skeletal remains. From ancient seabeds. Drinking fossils. I like it. It's from the land of Atlantis. <laughs> but they're no longer considered shellfish because they're millions and they're millions dead. and millions of petrified yeah. years ago. Okay. Well, I don't know what it is, but sometimes, and I, I don't know, I, there's this, something happens where there's like not too cool of a reaction for me. And it's almost like when, because you know, we're both allergic to shellfish, it's almost good, similar. And it's weird, but then it could just be bad wine. I mean, can, that can happen. Let's, can we talk about that real quick? How do you sure. know when you've got a bad bottle of wine? You mean like an off bottle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so a spoiled bottle of wine, you know, you will often hear the term, oh, it smells corked or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. I say trust your nose. It's as if you pick up a bad piece of fruit you know, or you open a jar of something that's been in your refrigerator for a while and you go, well, it looks okay, and you give it the old sniff test and it just mm-hmm. doesn't pass. There's just something you know there's something not right. 
It's the same with wine. Uh, a wine should smell fresh, appealing. Uh, if it's got fruity aromas, they should smell like ripe fruit. They should smell like uh, clean things, appealing things. If you open a bottle of wine or you put your nose in the glass and it smells like a wet dog or a damp, musty basement or uh, nail polish remover, uh, anything that you would not like to consume, chances are it might be off. And that can either be a storage problem or it could be something that happened during the winemaking process itself. There's a, a myriad of things that can go wrong from vineyard to glass. But my rule of thumb is if it just doesn't smell right to you and it's not appealing and it doesn't have a fresh, enjoyable note to it, then mm. pass on it. I yeah. think you're right. The nose is very sensitive. Yeah. When yes. we went for a walk this morning, a lady crossed the street, and we could smell her for another mile. I, I just want to know, what, what are you hiding? You know, <laughs> well, we're like, that's about That was terrible. Like, I, I wonder about all these products people put in their laundry, and then they spray oh. themselves with all these other things. It was a clash between b- bounce and some really that's bad right. perfume. I, I, can't, I can't go in, like, little buildings where all these people come in with all these different smells, and that's it. I can't. I yeah. can't handle it. I'll, well, I'll that's one of out. my my pet peeves is going to the gym and being mm. surrounded by people that smell as if they just took a big swim in aftershave or perfume. Yeah, yeah. It, I know. Yeah, it's it's, it's, and then on uh, the other side, appealing. you got Sweaty Joe. You know, Sweaty Joe. I think I'd rather go with Sweaty Joe. At least you know it's natural. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And at the gym, what natural can you say? I know. Okay. All right. Okay. Now I'm going to bring us back to when we've done sweaty. We've got sheep involved. Okay. But now we're going to get in the dirt. I, I knew we were going to get in the dirt. We're going but, to the sweaty. Uh, oh, no. don't start about the sweatiness. <laughs> we won't do that. We won't get into that. We saved that for Christmas. Okay. Um, anyway, let's go to these, you know, when you talk about biodynamic and uh, organic. Okay. So there's mm-hmm. that. Now, organic and then there's people who just really take care of their land, isn't it? I know a lot of farmers that aren't certified for all these things because it sometimes is they won't have a farm <laughs> by the time they're done doing that. Yeah. Um, just financially red tape time, little farms, little, you know, small family farms. But they are pretty much organic. So do a lot of wineries do that kind of thing if they're smaller without having to go through that process? They do. They do. Because, as you say, with for farmers and, you know, wine growers mm-hmm. are farmers, it can be expensive to be certified as organic or biodynamic, time-consuming and involves money. But there's another category called sustainable viticulture, and it's extremely common all over the world. And the basic premise with sustainable is to respect the earth, to leave the land the same or maybe even better than when you started Mm -hmm. working it, Uh, to have respect for it, to work with nature instead of against it. And Mm. uh, they they actually, a lot of sustainable vineyards will implement certain protocols that are used in organic and even in biodynamic viticulture. But Mm. it's just not a real set classification. There's no uh, governing body that, you know, will come and certify you or uh, set down a bunch of rules. But there are some loose uh, organizations uh, in California that provide guidelines, and that's what mm. most of the of the people will follow. Okay. Hmm. And as, as the um, 
the wine taster, the wine enthusiast, or even no matter what level you're at of wine taste, I mean, if you're enjoying wine, how do you know, is that really where that conversation comes? And that's probably part of the reason you go wine tasting is to find that stuff out more than reading a website. It's like, let's go out and have a conversation at while you're tasting and you can talk to the person who's pouring the wine. Or sometimes if you're lucky when they're smaller, sometimes you get to meet the winemaker. That's right. Mm, and yeah. as the wife of a winemaker, I think that's just the best possible thing that can happen. Because winemakers are usually really passionate about what they do. And mm. they love to talk about it. And mm. if you have a sustainable vineyard or organic or biodynamic, you really want to share the gospel and you want to talk about it. And if people mm. are coming to visit your winery and they're interested enough to ask about these things, you definitely from even just a cold, hard business perspective, want to share with them because then they become more involved and feel like they're part of the whole picture and mm-hmm. they'll get enthused and, you know, they'll enjoy your wines and tell people about it. So it's it's a really nice thing and a, a good business practice to share that information with your visitors. Mm. Well, and also I think people, their level of appreciation for what goes into the product, right, mm-hmm. Goes up because I mean, if you don't know what it takes to develop something, you can't ap- fully appreciate it. Right. That's, you can have yeah. appreciation for it, but it goes up when you know how much actually goes in, how long it takes, and why certain things have to be done the way they're done. Mm. Yeah. So, is there when when we look at growing in in like agriculture, you know, viticulture, agriculture, it's all connected. When we look at you know monocrops that are just these mono like here is like 10,000 you know acres like I said of corn or soy or whatever it is and we know that that creates pests coming in and then you have to have the pesticide thing and it's because there's such huge acreages of the same crop so does Um, that ever come into when someone is growing you know when they're growing their their vineyards does having multiple varietals or growing the different you know varieties of, of grapes, does that help mitigate pests and does acreage size help too? Because I mean even Temecula, I know they, they had the, the glassy wing sharpshooter at one time. I just like to say that. I Nancy know. and I like to yeah. say it for some reason. It's just I'm gonna draw a picture of my I own know. version. I feel like we could anyway, they could they could you know, I've got a whole thing to do with politics and that. But anyhow, yeah, we, we won't go there. I just went there. I had this cartoon immediately in my head. No. But anyhow, um I won't go there. Um but it, does that come into play just like when we look at agriculture in for regular, you know, crops? Yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, I don't know if it's so much about the, the size of the vineyards per se, mm-hmm. but yeah, if there are other crops around, like you mentioned Temecula, we also have um, citrus orchards in mm-hmm. the same yeah. general vicinity as the vineyards, which is one mm-hmm. reason that they're, uh, the glassy wing sharpshooter was here and, and carrying okay. disease with it. Uh, so sometimes mixing crops is not such a great idea, but okay. in other ways it is. You know, with uh, organic viticulture and, and sustainable as well and definitely with biodynamic, it's uh, having the natural, it goes back to having the natural habitat. So mm. not spraying with foreign things or bringing in foreign things, but taking what is already there and the indigenous mm-hmm. species in flora and fauna and integrating them because they make their own little worlds, their own little biospheres, mm-hmm. so, shall we say. So 
So by mm-hmm. having that, for example, um, sometimes you, a person will go to a vineyard. I know I when I worked in tasting rooms, I would be asked, gee, you know, is anybody ever going to mow all those weeds and things that are growing between your rows of vines out there? And I would say, not yet, because we want those out there. And what they thought were weeds were actually what is referred to as cover crops. So there are different types of grains and and legumes and flowers and nettles and things like this Mm. that are intentionally planted or cultivated between the, the rows of grapevines. And what they do is they create a little ecosystem that encourages different types of insects to come in and little critters that will help you eventually keep the ecosystem balanced in your vineyard. And when the plants start to die back, or just as they're starting to, you the farm... Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools, and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools, and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Or the vineyard owner will plow those back into the soil and therefore they work like a natural fertilizer and up the level of nitrogen in your soil that you want and help your pH balance and all these things. So they serve a purpose on many Mm. levels and they also help to keep your soil together. So if you're in an area where you get uh, very strong rains in the springtime, it will help keep your soil from eroding. So a lot of different things that don't seem to be very complex really add to the complexity of the levels of life in your vineyard and the balance in your vineyard and it's all about balance just like wine is See, yeah that makes perfect sense to me you know i understand economically why we have to have these huge acres of of crops i get mm-hmm. that because otherwise food prices would really skyrocket and then everybody would scream and cry about it so what the vineyards are doing, you know, vineyards are doing by adding back what was probably there in the first place and mm-hmm. letting it be really helps because when you think, I'm thinking of Yuma and the peanut crop and they got white fly and they couldn't get rid of it. And maybe if if they had done what, what you were speaking of, the birds that would normally come in and eat the white fly would have um, been there. Yeah, you know, it's like you you get this big crop of insects, all of the same kind, because you planted the same crop. There mm-hmm. isn't anything that goes, "Hey, seagulls, come on down. We need you to eat this over here." Don't work that way. Yeah, you know, once you once you take out everything certain bird species like to eat, mm. they go away, 
it's hard to get them back. So leaving what was there. So you can have, I mean, birds are great. I know some farmers probably don't like them when they peck their fruits and stuff, but they do <laughs> eat a lot of insects. And so they do. They do. And bats so do spiders really and ladybugs. Mm. You know, they're yeah. starting to bring in ladybug colonies. Yes. And oh, yeah. uh, and it, so yeah, all these these little tiny things that we kind of take for granted can make such a mm-hmm. huge impact. Yeah. So we interviewed a gentleman from South Africa who was bringing organic wines over to this country. It was a Triton wine. I just oh, remember. yeah, I remember. Yeah. Jer- Jeremy, I was going to say yeah. Jeremy Irons. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't, but anyway, <laughs> I just remember that. But it was a long, long time ago. But anyway, and there were fabulous wines. But he was talking about how they were using ducks and geese and owls oh. in the vineyards in South mm-hmm. Africa. And so do we have – I know now we've got to talk about sheep, but um, – <laughs> Scottish vineyards going on, yeah. uh, but 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 do do I mean do those birds play out in in vineyards in in this country? Oh, most definitely. Uh, in all these different disciplines of sustainable, organic, biodynamic, if you go and visit the vineyards, it's not unusual to see uh, bird nesting boxes perched high on posts all throughout the vineyards to encourage birds of prey. To like owls and hawks mm. and eagles mm. to nest and uh, cohabitate in your vineyards and use it as their hunting grounds because they will get oh. rid of the uh, the gophers and the snakes and all these other uh, destructive types. I mean, mm. we had horrible rabbits at one time, and they got the rabbits soon disappeared <laughs> because the the hawks got them. So that's the idea: is all these dangerous predatory animals can be conquered by nature. You don't have to spray. If you've got gophers in your vineyards, it's much preferable to use, uh, see an owl or a bunch of owls Mm -hmm. come and naturally take care of your problem than it is to, you know, put explosives bombs of gases down in their burrows and horrible yeah. things. They, yeah, they no, do. I remember they used to do that, in, and it was, I that's remember a winery. Um, that's gross. I, I know it a is. specific gross. winery. I'm not going to say the name, but, and they had apple orchards next to them. And um, I remember <laughs> them doing these. draw a map. <laughs> I know. Anyway, they, they, um, they, you, know, you don't know where it is in what part of the country or if it was this country, but they did these explosions suddenly, and I was like, what the heck, man? And, you know, I get under the table when I hear things like that. But this is what they were doing, and he's like, oh, no, we're, we're just scaring the birds. I'm like, well, that's, oh, yeah, I don't see yeah. that working. But it was just kind of what were these explosions going on, and I just thought no living creature, including myself, wants to hear that stuff. You know what no, I mean? I felt they, like we they were will living next to military They're usually air, just air, you know. Oh, okay. Or sometimes recordings of explosions to, to scare the birds away so that they won't eat all your ripe oh. grapes. Yeah. I didn't know if it, they were, like, putting out toxins and, and stuff like that because, you know, I don't like that. And, and that's well, the thing, too. If you're, if you're yeah. spraying pesticides and killing, like, the gopher and then a bird eats it, then the bird gets sick. Yeah. I mean, that's how we ended up uh, with the California condor almost going extinct was because of well, hunters shooting mm-hmm. the wild pigs out there, which were there because they're an invasive species because Americans brought them in and did mm-hmm. something, not just Americans, but people brought them in. They weren't supposed to be there. They're not native. So then people go out there to hunt them. They hunt them with lead bullets. Then the birds go in because they're like vultures. 
and they do the cleanup of the carrion, and there they go. Then they die because of the lead bullets, which yeah. are now back to being legal, by the way. Um, <laughs> anyhow, so this is how we lost, well, almost lost the entire bird species. And, I mean, they're still very, very threatened. So when we look at what we do in these kinds of practices, there's going to be negative things that we don't even know about yet, that we could be mm -hmm. destroying entire species of something we don't even know. Yeah. Well, we know a lot more than we did, and I said it in the last interview, I'll say it again. We know more than we did 100 or 200 years ago. It's time that we took the lessons. Mm. You know, failure leads to success. It's time we learned from the mistakes, mm -hmm. and a lot of people have and a lot of people haven't. Mm. So, I mean, we do have a lot more knowledge, and uh, it seems to be in a lot of ways we're going back from mm. the um, era of, convenience to let's go back to how we used to do it where we didn't destroy everything in our path mm. for the sake of convenience yeah oh i i totally agree and you know yeah. just on i was recently mm. up in uh in washington state in some of the beautiful right. islands of the salish mm. sea and mm. everywhere we went the food was all from either the island we were on or from neighboring islands Wow. Everything from the bread to the vegetables, the fruits, the meats, the honeys. Mm -hmm. Island to table. Yeah. I like yeah, it. Yeah, everything, <laughs> as one chef said, except lemons. I can't grow lemons. <laughs> so wow. there are still a few things, but they were organic lemons that he procured. Yeah. So it, it is doable, and people really are mm -hmm. um, trying to recreate this kind of back-to-reality food and wine scene. And I think you know, it's great for everybody i don't see many drawbacks to it you know to me um when we got automated for the sake of the economy and convenience a lot of people lost their jobs mm -hmm. so if we went backwards a little bit and took care of the earth and gave people more jobs because we don't need to automate every single thing for the sake of convenience and economy our economy would be better because people would have jobs and they would be able to spend money. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's all it's all connected. Yeah, wow. it is. So, okay, so we talk about a little bit about what we've got to get to the biodynamic because I really want to get into sheep and yeah. and cow <laughs> horns and poo. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. Poo is great. I know. Um, it's good for you. Anyhow, organic I want to talk about that because there's also how we grow, but then there's what's put in things. And so yes. organic yeah. is interesting because the labels are different. Organic wine, you know, and then there's made from organic grapes versus organic wine, right? Yeah, it, it can be uh, very confusing because uh, in America and in other parts of the world, they're slightly different definitions of what it is an organic wine. Everybody's pretty well on the same page when it comes to growing your grapes organically. You know, there's a mm. whole list. It's it's certified by the um, the National Organic Program, uh, which is mm. run by the USDA here in America. You know, there's a, a list of things that you cannot use. So basically, uh, any synthetic fertilizers or fungicides or insecticides, uh, you can't use sulfur. I mean, it's really strict. And even they dictate that if you want to say that you your wine is organic on the label, then you can't use 
sulfur uh, or anything, again, a whole list of banned inorganic substances that can, uh, are not allowed to be used in the winemaking process. So for people who uh, have, you know, you were talking about your shellfish allergies. If people mm-hmm. have allergies to, to eggs or um, fish or, or they're vegan and they don't want any animal products to right. touch their, their food or beverages, then organic is always a good choice because it, you're pretty well guaranteed if it says organic wine, certified organic, then those types of substances have not been involved in either the growing of the grapes or the making of the wine. That's what I need to do. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But you also mentioned your friend from South Africa who was bringing in organic wines Mm -hmm. into North America. So in that case, even if his wines were made completely organic in the grapes and the production side, everything, in the United States, they would be labeled made with organic grapes because our country doesn't recognize any certifications from other countries. <laughs> and also, made with organic grapes could mean that the grapes were grown organically, but during the making of the wine, they did not adhere to certified organic practices. Wow. So that's why it's always a good idea, if this is something that's important to you, that you always go and, you know, we got that wonderful Internet Go to the website yeah. of the producer uh, and check or even give them a call and, and ask mm. if that's something that's really a top priority for you. You know, you can carry this argument back really far. You know, I'm thinking about Monsanto crops mm. and injecting pig genes into corn and, and so that we can have this or have that. And I'm wondering for all the people who um, are um, like the Jewish population that doesn't want to eat anything pork, do they have any idea that when they're eating corn on the cob, they might be eating? <laughs> <laughs> Probably no, not. I mean, I, I don't think I would. New Year. Well, no. No, I'm just saying, you know, true. That it's true. How do you know? It. I mean, I remember finding out about that when I was vegan mm-hmm. and going like, that's not cool. Like, I'm not here to eat meat and I'm eating corn. But then I found out later that I really didn't want to eat that corn. But, but, you know, but, no, I mean, there there is such a thing here that people, I, I would like to know that when what I'm eating is actually that sure. particular plant mm-hmm. or that particular animal or that particular whatever, that it has not been made in a lab. I don't want my food coming from Star Trek. What, okay, but what much. about now that you can get apples? Or, I don't know if it's hit the markets yet, but apples that you cut them open and they won't go brown. Yeah, they've made it now. I mean, this no, is, I don't want that. Oh, come on, Nancy. Because I, I mean, within those few seconds of you cutting it open, I mean, how dare it have some kind of scientific reaction with air? I have a solution. My grandmother <laughs> taught me: you put cinnamon and sugar on top. <laughs> now you shouldn't be having sugar. It's really bad for you. Better than Monsanto. Okay, wait. Okay, I'm sorry, but the M word is out apparently on a Friday. Mm. Um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't like to talk about them. We should. The more we can, the better. No, no, I just think people should know what's in their food. So I totally organic agree. is, is yeah. a really cool way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now biodynamic. Okay, can you be biodynamic um, <laughs> and organic at the same time like i feel like this is going to be like the superhero like we need to have a cape for the biodynamic man well biodynamics <laughs> is has a lot in common with organic 
But biodynamic is more of a total, holistic, self-contained little universe of a winery-type philosophy. It's cool. it's uh, spiritual as well as, you know, thinking about just the earth and production. It's also a spiritual thing as well. And that's why mm. some people think that it's a little bit out there, you know, like, ooh, you know, hippy-dippy you kind of stuff. Because what do you it, mean by spiritual? Spiritual in that it's about man and his relation to the earth and to the movement of the planets and the uh, the gravitational pulls of the lunar cycles and that in that aspect it's very spiritual because it's you think of the uh, the earth and the plants mm-hmm. and that either the ones that you put in there like the vines or the ones that are naturally occurring in your land. All the animals and insects and and creatures that cohabitate with you, different types of agriculture uh, that cohabitate in the same area as your vines, and what you do and when you do it according to this lunar uh, work calendar that is laid out for biodynamic viticulture. I love it. But that's called na- that's, that's natural. That's actually ha- that's it's being that run is, with Mother Earth, that, Father Sky. Yeah. I'm like sorry. That, like, obviously, you're gonna see we're, we belong in in what people think the kooky wacky as you talk about that in, in your article <laughs> and everyone which you'll, you'll get oh up on uh, blendradioandtv.com. You'll be, it, it really outlines this really in in simple English because sometimes we get all into these words. You're like, huh? but um, yeah, I mean to me, it's the same thing as um, sage. Um, and, and it happened a lot in Southern California. Uh, Native American tribes would pick sage and, you know, use it for cleansing ceremonies and mm-hmm. wounds and all these things medicinal. But they would talk to the plants and say, am I allowed to harvest you, not? And there's a communication you have with the animal. I mean, the plants and the animals actually too. And then people got into, oh, I want to be an Indian, and that's really a true thing. This was like the super cool thing and would go out and over-harvest and not ask, and there was this no, there was no balance. And the sage almost went extinct in Southern California. This really, white sage. because it was white so cool sage. to yeah, pick it. And, right, and people started selling you know, sage but, bundles in stores and everything. Um, I think it's kind of come back now, but there's a... Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. certain white sage, but... You know, they would go out and, you know, communicate with the plants. And we've interviewed uh, various Native Americans on this, too. And it's, 
there is a communication with nature because we are connected with it. We are part of it. We are part of tree DNA. I mean, if, if I mean, it's scientifically proven we are connected to plants. So I don't think it's kooky. That's because we eat them. I know. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's just... No, but it's funny to me what what you're saying, you know, spiritual biodynamics. I think that's just good farming, knowing when to plant the crop for the best yield. In other words, if, Understanding if you live in the desert, the, probably you don't want to plant anything in the summertime. It's not going to make it. So biodynamically, you would probably print, you know, plant it in the fall because that gives it the longest time to live before the summer t- tries to take it out. Very you true, know, but biodynamics is, is way more intricate in that okay. it's not just a seasonal, it's a day-by-day, and sometimes a portion okay. of a day. So one okay. 24-hour period can, uh, that we would refer to as a day can be, mm-hmm. uh, uh, say, a leaf day and a flower day because they have their days designated as uh, flower, fruit, root, or leaf, basically. So it can change during the day. Mm. And even the most minute thing, I went to one uh, winery. I think I shared some photos of this particular Mm -hmm, winery mm -hmm. in the Languedoc in the south of France uh, called uh, Sigalou. And Mm -hmm. uh, it is a biodynamic winery. And Mm -hmm. when we got there to taste they were in a little bit of a panic because they had to get there early to open the bottles of wine because the timing of our visit, if they had opened them when we were there, they would have not opened them at the best time because the calendar changed. And I think it was a flower day, and it's better to taste wine and evaluate wine on a flower day. And then it changed to something else by the time we got there. So they wanted to have the wines open and go through the process of removing the cork and allowing the air to mingle with Mm -hmm. the wine during the most auspicious time of that day's calendar. Awesome. Okay, so what is that actually based on? I mean, where did they... It's prana. Now, how did they base their calendar, and does everybody have the same calendar or is this going to be like you'd go to next door to another winery and they're like oh it's not a flower day it's a leaf day well the the calendars are well the whole theory of biodynamics goes back to the early part of the 1920s and it was uh sort of outlined by this fellow rudolf steiner who i, I also learned it was the fellow who developed the waldorf schools which you oh, wow. see all over the place and so now anyway he has his own salad yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there and a, and some hotels too. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, so his the one of the uh, people that worked with him. Her name I think was Maria Toon or Tao, developed this calendar of lunar based on lunar cycles. And every year there's it's you know how we have the farmers almanac that everyone is mm-hmm. so familiar with. And yes. there's a new edition every year, right, based yeah, on what's happening in the coming year. So it's the same with the biodynamic book. There's a little booklet you get, a calendar, and you buy it ahead of time, which te- helps you plan for the next year. And mm-hmm. you can also get these big wall charts depending on where you live with printouts of all the different cycles. So, you know, they're slightly different. Say if you're a biodynamic winery here in California, you're, as you say, your lunar cycles are going to happen at slightly different times than someone mm. who's in Italy. India. So, yeah. 
yes, it's all tuned in to uh, to where where you live, and then how the planets transfer through your area. So that's very similar to astrology too, because yeah. astrology mm-hmm. is about the, di- the date and time you were born, where yes. you were born. You know, it's very similar. And then you have to look at microclimates, like in gardens. I mean, it's like what happens oh, yes. at the yep. front of the house is not the same as what's happening at the back of the house. Kind exactly. Of thing in your garden. So and you have to. That's why you have to really know your vineyard and and know the little ecosystem of your vineyard so that you can use all those little parameters to figure out the best time and ways of of doing the things that you need to do to get your wine made. I love this. It's high tide in California. Open that red wine in Italy quick. <laughs> no, no, but I think I think what's cool about this honestly is that it's about um I don't know. I'm just one of these people that are very into like all the the little things matter. The little mm-hmm. details matter and when we start stop looking at the little details that's when stuff happens you know what i mean that's when not necessarily good stuff happens um sometimes understanding why this why that why you know and when we start losing touch of what's happening in the atmosphere not necessarily because it is energy force and it's very vedic too what you're talking about it goes with ayurveda like um, mm-hmm. the, the four energies. It's interesting how because they have three, but they all combine into one at some point. That sounds crazy, um, but it's <laughs> they're, they're, they're life forces. As human beings, we have uh, pitta, uh, vada, and kapha, and each one goes with your physical makeup, your emotional makeup as well, and it goes with your your. It, it's neat, and then we go. It goes with your age, and so you, your energy forces, your prana changes as you age so it's kind of interesting i think it goes with this biodynamic oh, viticulture i'd love <laughs> to i'd love to put an ayurvedic specialist with a biodynamic winemaker oh that'd be interesting in the room because i bet you it would connect on all levels because that's really ancient practices i mean that was our mm-hmm. first form of well, medicine well if you think about what we've done as human beings we decided to make a calendar and, you know, so you have all these days, like all these months, and then you get to February, oh, well, every other year, we all leap a year because we screwed up on our math. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. Yeah, no, it's we've been forced true. to, yeah, do things as a, on a prescribed schedule that really yeah. doesn't have anything to do with, maybe what our bodies and our biorhythms and nature is, is saying is a better way. Yeah, so that's what telling the coyote does. it's leap year yeah. and he needs to back up but, his paces or something. Well, no, I mean, the natural world does not go by our calendar. Right? No, the, and, and Mother Nature will do what she wants when exactly. she wants, and she has and, her own the time. Last and the months or so have been definite proof of that. No exactly. kidding. <laughs> no kidding, and I feel for anybody who, you know, I think about all the farmers out there, mm-hmm. like what they're going through. I mean, you think about what happened in Florida with, you know, the orange mm. the orange groves and, and I know like all the nurseries that we know out there. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm I I'm, I'm heartsick for them, you know, because growing anything means that you are attuned to it every day. Yeah. You know, we, part of the, the I mean even George Harrison, he said, you know, at the end of the day, he just wanted his garden. That was yeah. the most important thing to him and you're mm-hmm. tending it because then you're part of the ecosystem again. You get and it. And you're tending and it means that you go out every day to see did that blossom? Is the bud coming through? You know, does it need this help over here? You know, if there's this this and every little
little plant. So is that what happens with your husband as a winemaker? It's like he has to walk the vineyard and see what's oh, going yeah. on every single day, right? It's not like, yep. oh, I'm going to do my monthly walk. <laughs> no, and, you know, sometimes that's the best part of his day. <laughs> when I he can go so. out into the vineyard and just hear the birds and, you know, mm. talk about little lizards he saw scampering across. And, you know, it, it's, it is. It just puts you more in tune. And then when the grapes come in at harvest, you understand more about what they're trying to, to tell you, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they will dictate the best way to make the best wine. Mm. And that's when we get into all these things like wild yeasts and, you know, like Orpheus Organic and especially with biodynamic wines, they don't use commercial yeast. They use the indigenous yeast that's on the grapes. So, you know, there's there's that component, too. I mean, it gets very, very involved. And, yeah, it's a fascinating subject, really fascinating. And the, the vineyards will tell you, too, what they need. You know, and, and that's one of the things with biodynamics is because they uh, want everything to be part of this own little cycle of the earth, they make all their own preparations. So they don't use commercial sprays or anything like that to help the vineyard, the vigor of the vineyard or combat uh, any problems they might have. They're all made from either uh, natural substances like chamomile or nettle or the bark mm. of oak trees all the way to, you know, what most people think of when they think biodynamic, they see those, you know, cow horns stuffed with manure and buried in the ground, and they go, okay, that's a little weird. <laughs> but that's happening today because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the fall equinox. They, exactly, they, and they, so they're plant, the they plant today. the horns. They bury the horns at, this, uh, at the um, fall equinox. See, and then they take them out in, in spring. They get naked in the spring, and, and then they make their midnight. preparation. It's like a, a tea that they make. Mm-hmm. It's a brew, and then they spray that on the vineyards to promote the uh, creation of microbes in the soil and to help the the roots uh, grow in the vine. You know, that's a that's a really good thing because I know in this country the soil is really taking a beating with oh, all yeah, the pesticides. Oh yeah, there's nothing in there. It, yeah, and you know, even if you get if if your soil is no good, even if you get organic food, that doesn't necessarily always mean nutrition is there if the soil isn't good. Mm-hmm. You That's know, right. And it, it, yeah, you know, we're, we really need to look at what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one reason biodynamics became so popular in France was because uh, in, I think it was around the earlier, mid-1980s, there was a study, an analysis done by some big university uh, in Burgundy, and they found that they analyzed all these different soils from these famous vineyards all over the the, uh, Appalachian and found that the soil quality was really not very good, that it it didn't have a lot of life to it. And Mm. so that's one reason people started re-examining the principles of biodynamics and looking for natural ways to uh, bring life back to the soil because they knew if the soil was depleted, like you're saying, it's Mm. not going to grow the best fruit. It's not going to show the Mm. character of the land if the land has no character. Exactly. Mm. And, you know, my personal theory, Uh now we are going to get get, woo-woo. No, no, no. If your soil is dead, 
when there's a heavy rain, it's gone. Yeah. It's going to be gone. If there's an earthquake, if there's any kind of, of weather drama, the soil is the first thing to say, well, I'm not really here. I got nothing. I'm, I'm not clinging. I got no microbes, no little things holding me here. I'm going on down the river. You know, and the more we damage the earth and frack and do all these things, the more we're going to see the soil being decayed, depleted, and bye-bye. And the more the soil goes, you know where it's going. It's going to the ocean, and the the ocean level rises, and the ocean goes, well, I think I'll spill onto Florida. Bye-bye. You know, I don't care that you built there. That's your problem. You know, that's really how it's working. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you know, it seems really clear to me, and I think there's studies that will say it a lot better than I just said it. So I don't understand why we do the studies if we don't listen to them. I know. That's politics. I We're stubborn yeah, bunch of humans. Yeah, really. You know, it, also when when you look at, I want to go back to the biodynamics, but what is really cool about, so there's, there's ceremonies basically of, you know, planting or, you know, the, the horns with manure. I think what's interesting about it is it, it's bringing, there's a human energy that happens with that. You know, having, you know, lived in places where tribal ceremony is part of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's an energy that that mm-hmm. is created that is manifested that you it's undeniable anybody who's been to Africa and been part of a tribal mm-hmm. dance or even been around it or if you've been in a riot, you know, it's the same thing, but in, in two different, um, two different energies. Slightly different vibes. Um, I've been in both. I've been in both, and uh, I didn't mean to be, but I had to. You get and, swept up. Yep, you get swept up in them. But there's an energy that is, you, there's, it's undeniable how energy breeds, and I think that's what's interesting about, you know, the biodynamic side is. It seems to me that the winemaker, the the, the people that are really, you know, hands-on with the vineyard. There's this energy and connectiveness, and, mm-hmm. and not to get weird, I'm going to talk about the Secret Life of Plants. No, one of my favorite go. books I on know. Earth. <laughs> um, it's it is by my bedside. It is crazy. They and this is why it came out in the 70s. And sorry, listeners who've heard this over and over again, but go get the book. Yeah. Um, they did an experiment where they took a plant, they cut the leaves off, and and they t- well, cut two sets off. One set of leaves, they just ignore it, threw them away, like on a side. The other set of leaves, this guy, this scientist, took him, put him on his bedside. That's why I have the book by my bedside. <laughs> they put him on his bedside, and he meditated on these leaves mm-hmm. every morning and every evening before he went to bed. And he did it for several months. These leaves lived without being connected to the plant. Wow. The leaves that weren't meditated and connected with died. Mm-hmm. So to me, there's something with your biodynamic you know. conversation, with what you're saying about these the energy part that is so important. We don't lose sight of the energy between people and plants. Yes. And so you're I'm right about the passion because most of the time – I I would say pretty well all the winemakers I've ever spoken to who uh, are practicing or certified biodynamic are really, really involved in everything that happens in their Mm. property, everything. And they're very passionate about it. Not that, and so are sustainable, because Mm. sustainable is, is actually one of the few, even though it's not certified, that actually 
in its guidelines encompasses things like being mindful of the environment and yeah. water resources and climate change. They, it addresses those things, whereas the other disciplines do not. So each one of them has its, its own, I think, very important way of, of looking mm-hmm. at how to grow your fruit in a mindful uh, way that's best for man. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better... You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. And the environment and your palate, (laughs) but Mm. in, in just different different disciplines and different aspects. So it's, it's really just fascinating. That's, that's why I talked about all three, because they mm. each have their own uh, special virtue. And everybody gets to choose what they want. I mean, we have choices, which is, you know, whatever. Exactly, and you know, sometimes I'm, the area in which you are growing your grapes will, will dictate. You know, sometimes mm. if you're in a climate that's very cool and very moist, you might not have the luxury of going biodynamic or organic because there are certain diseases or infections that might affect the vine that you have to deal with. Whereas somebody who lives in the south of France in a very uh, a drier climate with a, a more moderate climate doesn't have to worry about. So there's so many different things that are part of the picture. Do you- no, I think I was going to say that at one point we were up in I think it was Porto it was Portoville and we were talking to a citrus grower, and we were talking about the glassy wing sharpshooter, and he said that that the um, the citrus growers were the ones who actually had to spray their crops in order to help the wineries. That's because, like she said, it, it came from that. Right, because it came mm-hmm. from them. But then they and, had another one. And then he and then he said they learned that if they would give just, a, I think it was like a foot and a half more space between the the citrus trees, they wouldn't have the glassy wing sharpshooter. Apparently they planted too close together that brought mm-hmm. the insect in. I'm not sure if the, how that works, but, you know, there's there's certain things that, you know, you learn, but then when you go back to the same person, did you replant further apart? No, because it cost too much money. Mm. Yeah. You know, so there's things like that that happen where um, we don't learn from our mistakes, or even when we know economics always interferes. And, Isn't and that that's the truth? Yeah. It is. It's really and what happens. But I think these conversations are mm-hmm. so important because as consumers, sometimes we don't know the hardships that are going, you know, with the mm-hmm. farmers, you know. And uh, go farming farm is hard. <laughs> yeah. farming is 
sorry. Really, really hard. I'm watching that concert tonight. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. watch that tonight. All eight hours of it. But uh, every, everybody, um, you know, that's the thing to look at. You know, when you have a glass of wine, have a conversation, find out. But I wanted to ask you, do you see, Hillary, biodynamic wine rise up in the, in the number of wineries adopting those principles or even opening and starting with those principles? I mean, are people turning – Turning leaves. I mean, it's fall today. Are they turning their leaves over and going, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna change to being more biodynamic"? Or are I think more people, people are uh, accepting of it now. It's not mm. looked upon as as quite so you know radical. Uh, and mm. you know, people are taking. They may not go full tilt biodynamic and be certified by Demeter or one one of the other organizations, but they will adopt some of the practices. And, mm. I, you know, and I think that's a good thing. You've got to just sort of take what works for you. I mean, maybe you don't want to go into the whole thing of producing all your own preparations, but maybe you'll have a look at the lunar cycles and maybe adopt that side of it. Or, mm. you know, people who will grow their grapes organically, but they still like to add a little sulfur in at the end to extend the freshness and shelf life of their wine so that when their consumer buys it, they know they're going to get a drinkable bottle of wine. So there's mm. all these little decisions. I mean, that's what winemaking is, really, is just a series of endless decisions <laughs> all along the way. And, uh, yeah, I think more people are adopting it. And, I mean, there are some very familiar names. I mean, Bonnie Dune, for example, I think a lot of people might have heard of that winery mm-hmm. in California mm-hmm. or Benzinger or Fetzer, mm-hmm. which you can find wow. in many supermarkets. They're biodynamic wineries. Uh, Michel Chapoutier in France, whose wines are uh, available all over the world, he was a leading proponent of biodynamics in the south of France. So there are many familiar names that you maybe don't realize are biodynamic, but they are. And some of them are big and some of them are small. Do do you know if um, the sulfides in wine is actually the ingredient that causes hangovers? Yes or no? Do that you know? I should do an entire segment just on that. <laughs> yeah, because hangover. I could. I yeah, because the hangover. I've read it. That's where you get <laughs> the it. hangover from. You know, there like there is hangover. always constant debate on this topic. But let me just yeah. preface by saying that that sulfur is a natural byproduct of winemaking. It happens during fermentation. Uh-huh. So when the yeast is consuming the sugar in the grape juice, it produces CO2, a little bit of sulfur, and alcohol. So you have to, and if you want the alcohol from your grape juice, you will get a little bit of naturally occurring sulfur. It's very minimal amounts. Sulfur is used in the vineyard uh, as a spray sometimes as a uh, a powder, sometimes as a liquid to Mm -hmm. uh, combat different fungal diseases. It's Mm -hmm. used in the production of wines to uh, prevent the wines from uh, turning brown in color, just like those apples Mm -hmm. you were talking about. It can uh, also ward off bacteria um, growing on the wine as it's resting. So it's got a lot of various uses. Now, Some people are allergic to sulfur, but it is uh, statistically a very small percentage. And I think it's around 3% of the population, give or take a a percentage point. Uh, Sulfur, there's more sulfur on dried apricots than there is in commercial wine or or any kind of dried fruit. 
Uh, if you can well, eat is that what fermented that products, is? yeah, yeah. If oh. you can eat fermented products like pizza and bagels and bread, or eat uh, dried fruit and not get any kind of uh, headache, hangover, uh, hangover, then that. And but you do when you drink wine, then it's not sulfur. That's the wow. test. I call it the apricot test. So eat I some dried apricots really if you get a splitting headache. Or, you know, you, some people think they get sort of a red cast to their skin. They kind of get a flush, and they say, oh, it's the sulfur in the wine. It, mm. if, you know, see, eat the apricots and see if you get the same reaction. Oh, how interesting. No, yep. Steph, well, she's the wine queen for a reason. I know. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I know. And love it. Love this conversation. I, I'm, I'm all into the I went totally geek on you there. Sorry. I know. No, I love it. No, no I love it. I I've, love the geekness. I've heard this over and over again. And I thought, oh, you're in denial. It's the alcohol. No. You drank too much. No, okay. A lot so of we, times gonna... it is. Or it can be a histamine thing. That's yeah, what that's happens a, to me sometimes. Is yeah. it's a, a so if you can, you know, and of course with anything you should always check with your doctor first. But sometimes just well uh, having, if you know you're going out for dinner and you're going to have some wine and you get that problem, you know, a lot of people find if they just take an over-the-counter antihistamine, say half an hour or so before they go out, it it takes care of it. Oh, oh that's interesting because huh. I think that's kind of where Nancy and I land is in the. The world of histamines. Mm-hmm. Oh, so take one of those before you go to McDonald's and have a milkshake. <laughs> yeah, right. Here we go again on that. Let's not and even sometimes it's that. just because we enjoyed ourselves a wee bit too much. I think oh, that that's never happened like to that. us at all. Never. I know. Never, I know never. that never happened. It's Friday. It's autumn. We get to party. Yay! <laughs> well, hangover doesn't happen until you wake up. Yeah, then you hang your head over the bed, and That's then you turn around and go, who's that? No, I'm kidding. Or when you go Let's to bed, see. you keep one foot on the floor so the bed won't spin so much. That's, I've, I haven't had that since I was a teenager, honestly. Like, it, I haven't done anything that – I've not had that problem for – no, no, no. I lied. The last really big hangover I had is from Vegas. Seriously, that was bad. That was bad, and that's a whole other show. (laughs) And then we could get into, you know, because we're talking about biodynamics and it's very in tune with homeopathy, you could talk about homeopathic remedies for that too. So there's another show. There, I tried. Okay, so we need that right before New Year. If you you can put lemons in your armpits. (laughs) What? You can also, orange fruit is good. Anything orange, right? And that's what I tried in Vegas. To and put them on your armpits? No, that's why I ended up with a cantaloupe thing. And they didn't have cantaloupe because I thought <laughs> if I ate cantaloupe. cantaloupe no, I didn't armpits? put it in my armpits. In the restaurant, I could, I could barely be in the restaurant. I was so bad. And then I ordered cantaloupe, and they didn't have cantaloupe because all I knew is I'd read this thing that if you have a hangover, you need citrus, you need fruit, you put lemons or oranges under your armpit to soak up the vitamin C faster. And I've never heard fruit. that one. So then I'm in the restaurant, everyone's eating all this stuff, and I'm dying, like the smells, everything. It's like I'm pregnant or something. And so I order cantaloupe, and then they don't. They gave me a honeydew oh melon, God, so and I had this little flag, and I could barely eat it. And the rest of the story, I cannot tell you, but it's really, really well, funny. I can tell you. No, you can't. <laughs> yes, no, you I can't. Can. You what, can't. What you happens cannot. in Vegas did not stay there. It, no. It came with us the whole trip home. <laughs> I know. And so did the little cantaloupe or the little melon and the little flag. 
There's a whole story on it, and it'll, it'll go for one, one of our happy hour shows. We will tell it. But I am not telling it on this show. We have, we life, have life is never dull when I'm talking to you two. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, so you know what? I'm going to have to play Holy Water because, okay. you know, I always like to play songs for our guests, especially for you, Hillary, because I know you're a fan of music. And it's Friday music night. So I know. This, yeah, I was going to play oh, Equinox. Awesome. We're going to play that, though. Uh, but we're going to play Holy Water. This is from Allison August, an incredible blues singer out of uh, Southern California. Um, you know, she, she recorded this album with one of the guys from Little Feet. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. We just watched a documentary about um, Little Feet the other night. Cool. Oh, she is awesome, and um, she will be on our show on Sunday on our World Radio Party because cool. she just went wine cool. tasting around Europe. So there you go. <laughs> so, well, I guess uh, I'm going to anyway. have to be listening to that on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's awesome. AllisonAugust.com, mm. everyone's where to go. And Holy Water is the title track of her latest album, but apparently she's working on a whole new album. But i got to cool. play it because this, this is, it just, to me, we're talking about biodynamic wine and, you know, it's spiritual and all this good stuff. And, you know, wine is, is, is holy water to me. I'm going to get um, a calendar. No offense meant to anybody. But, um, Hillary, everyone needs to know your website, NorthwindsWineConsulting.com. Twitter and Facebook's the same thing, right? And Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a good time watching you travel through uh, Washington State and everywhere that you were. I mean, it looks beautiful, so we can't wait oh. for your next segments on that. My gosh. Yes, I can't wait to, to write about it and talk about it. It was a, a fabulous adventure. Awesome. Fun. Awesome. And everyone, again, Hillary's articles, if you go to blendradioandtv.com, go to the expert department and click on Hillary, you'll be able to see her interviews and articles, and uh, especially this article, too, will be up tomorrow, so you'll be able to get that and uh, also get it through our newsletter. But here it is, everybody. Holy water. Thanks so much for joining us, Hillary. Always fun. My pleasure, and happy autumn. You, too. Thank happy you. fall. And those, <laughs> those vineyards are going to get golden now. Awesome. <laughs> Halloween coming. I know. <laughs> All right, here it is. Holy water just for Halloween. <laughs> Yeah. 
Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.